turn to Malachi. And uh, this is like not the offering message and the offering message, but it'll probably be all wrapped in one. And um, so let, Malachi chapter 3, anybody ever heard those verses before? Yep. Malachi chapter 3. And uh, it says, Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, How have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, it says, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that food may be in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes. So one of the things that we're seeing is that uh, the Lord wants to rebuke the devourer in your life. But a lot of times he, he doesn't get the opportunity because we've robbed him of tithes and offerings. In other words, a lot of times the Lord's saying, look, I'd rebuke the devourer, but you're robbing me. You know? And, and it's not that God won't do it. You're actually, because you're robbing him, not just in tithes, but also in offerings, you're stepping out from underneath the blessing, and, and that's not where God is. Our job is not to ask God to come to the, to the curse. Our job is to move to God and we'll naturally be blessed. Does that make sense? So it's, it's a matter of our position, not really His position. And so when we take away our tithes and offerings and we don't give them, what we're doing is we're stepping outside of the blessing, outside of where God basically is operating. And, and we need to step back into the blessing. Okay, so he's saying, look, do you realize there's a lot of things in our lives where the devourer is after you? Right? He, he comes only to what? Steal. Steal, kill, and destroy. He's after you. Well, God's aware of that and he's already provided a plan for it. I'll handle him. All you got to do is just be obedient. And even if you don't feel like you have the money, this goes along with everything else that we've talked about. Even if you don't feel like you have the money... Uh, God will provide. He'll yeah. give seed to the sower. Yeah. Right? He'll give seed to the sower. So it's not, it's a matter of the heart. Do I want to be a giver or not in that way? But you, I want you to see that God does not want your life devoured. He doesn't want things pulled away from you. His heart is to give to you. And we know in tithes and offering, it's tithe is 10% of your increase, but offerings, anything over and above that in terms of money, uh, but notice something else. He wants his storehouse to be full. Yeah. So God wants the house of God to be full. Now, how do you think he wants it to be full? You think he wants it to be full of money? Everything, right. How, in what way doesn't he want it full would be a better question. There's no way. He wants it full, right? Would, do you want it full? You do? Yeah. Okay. Um, prove it. Do you want it full? Yes. Prove it. Prove to me that you want it full. Yeah. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Brian? Well, what are you doing to make it full? What are you doing? 
And you don't have to answer this. These are all probably setting you up questions. So. <laughs> You know, when I don't see the house of God full, I take it personal. Why? Well, one, I'm the pastor. That has something to do with it. (laughs) But here's the question. Is this just my house? Nope. So whose house is it? Is it? (laughs) Prove it. (laughs) Is it your house? All right, well, if I take it personal, do you think you take it as personal as I do? Let's say up to this point. (laughs) Amen. Have you been on your knees for God to fill it up outside of a Sunday service? Or is it just when you come? Have you been on your knees praying for the other people? So the question is, remember, if you're a part of the body, every joint supplies. Every joint supplies, right? So if you're not supplying, are you a part? If it's your house, wouldn't it be that you would supply? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So are you in prayer to fill it up? Not just in finances, but anything that it needs? All right, this is your house. This is where God planted you. He's got a plan What are you doing about it? So we can say that this is my place all day long, but what are you doing about it? Now, And we'll have moments. It's like, okay, we went out and we flyered. Okay, we went out and gave water bottles. But is it burning in us? Is there a passion for the Lord's house and where he's planted in us? Would your calendar and your finances and your resources show that this is really your house? Now, can you see why the Lord, you know, didn't tell me what I was preaching on (laughs) till the last minute? It's funny how we can, we can take something and we can add to it. But a lot of times when it's a message like this, he doesn't want it added to. He just wants you to just listen. He doesn't want me to add to it is what I'm saying. And a lot of times now, here's the thing. Guess what? You're here. You're here tonight. Let me ask you this question. Should there be more? Yes. Does it bother you? Does it bother you enough to be in prayer throughout the week for it? Up until this point, has it bothered you enough? Mm, Probably not enough. Let me ask you this. Let's say that you were, let's say that you were terminal, that you were about to die. If something didn't change, if you didn't get a miracle, you were about to die. What would your prayer life be like? Every I'm sorry, what did you say? Every second. Every second. Isn't what we do life or death to somebody? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it life or death to somebody? Then what we're praying for, for the house to be full, isn't it life or death? Mm -hmm. So you're telling me that you would pray for yourself in life or death situation, but but if it's involving somebody else, you wouldn't? He get it, whoa. Whoa. (laughs) It's true. Is that right? That's the way it's been. 
Now, you see, yeah, it's like, uh, you can pick your feet up. There's, we'll, we'll, clean off the, we'll, we'll clean off the seats later. You can, you can pick them up off the floor so I don't stomp on them too. I'm not doing it actually. The whole, look, I'm even doing it with a smile. But you're here. But I think all of us can change. Uh, let, let, me, let me read you some stuff. Let me read you some stuff. I got a word for you later, Shay. The Lord gave me this afternoon, I believe. Um, let's, go, let's go to Malachi. Same, same book. You know, most of the time we go to, most of the time we go to chapter 3. Uh, but let, let's, before we move away from there, let's keep on reading here. Uh, in Malachi chapter 3, and after that, okay, it says in 3.12, Malachi 3.12, All the nations will call you blessed, and you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And verse 13, Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? So what we see here is there, you would say that their heart doesn't appear to want to be against God, but yet he's saying, you've spoken arrogantly against me, but they don't see it. This is a position we can find ourselves in many times. In other words, this is what, what's going on here is when I say, you know, is this your house? Is it supposed to be full? Prove it. In other words, if you really believe that, don't your actions back up what your heart believes? Yep. So, in other words, a lot of times we can give lip service, but we don't really believe it. Because yep. if we believed it, we do it. We do, yep. do whatever it took. Yeah. And, I'm, and just talking about prayer, you know, just talking about prayer. Now listen, I don't get up every single day and pray for Boomerang to be full. I don't, I don't do that. But, but I'm always listening for the Holy Ghost, and I pray, I pray whenever He leads me to. And I know I've said at this altar many times, praying that it would be exactly the way the Lord wants it to be. Fill up this place. Uh, in a multitude is the, is the King honored, right? Is His glory, right? I know that in a multitude. So, Lord, let a multitude be in this place. Let their hearts be after you. Uh, let it be strong. And let me do my part to do that. But, see, if I'm the only one praying at that level, is it going to happen? Well, me and Jesus is enough, but that's not the design in this case. You are a part of the house and you are supposed to be supplying. So has it bothered you enough that you pray that way? And that it's, it's not, I'm not trying to put something heavy on you, but does it burden you in that way? You know, carry the burdens of one another and thereby fulfill the law of love in Galatians 6, 2. Carry the burdens of others. Do you realize that when you pray that, what you're doing is you're praying that people will come in to the fullness of the life of God and that there will be a supply, that will, the storehouse will be full in every way that it can be full. You realize that we need some people in here that actually have all kinds of different talents so that if God needs something done in the kingdom, we can pull on all those resources. So being full is not just the seat filled. It's not just bank accounts being filled. It's to have 
have the resources in abundance for every good work, which is 2 Corinthians 9. So here's the thing. Are we praying that way? Are we burdened to pray that way up until this point? Well, probably not. So then what's going to happen? How do we overcome the world? By our faith. This is, you know, even our faith, right? Well, if we're not even praying for it, we're not even burdened to pray for it, we're not going to put faith on it, are we going to overcome the lack? No. Why? Because God set up a system. And the system is your faith will overcome the world and its systems. Your faith will overcome the lack. And so if we as a body are not even uh, burdened enough to pray that something that doesn't involve us, we'll pray when we have a need personally, but that's not the law of love. Uh, uh, Do you realize an unsaved person will handle their own problems when they come up? That's not special. That's just a regular person. Something special when somebody says, I see a burden and it might not even be my fault, but I will do something about it. You know who that looks like? Jesus. It bugs me that the house of God is not full. One time uh, we were at a church. I remember walking out on a Sunday morning. And uh, I walked out and I went down and they had a little handrail and I went down and and I noticed and I pulled my hand up and the handrail was painted black and I pulled my hand and my whole hand was black from that paint that it oxidized. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, man, now think about that. Every guest that walked out of that church, they touched that handrail and went, they can't even take care of their handrail. How are they going to take care of me? Right. Right. Now, what irritated me was two things. One, that should not be representative of the house of the Lord. Two, nobody had done it. We were still kind of new to that. Nobody had taken any responsibility over that. It had been that way for years, obviously, by the oxidation. It had been that way for years. I had a business at that time. I I took a day or two off. I took a hand sander, I borrowed somebody's hand sander, went out there. I didn't know anything about painting. I'm like, all I was thinking was, I think if I put an oil-based paint on it, the water won't wash it off. I was like, I hope that works. But at least I did something, right? right? I took a hand sander, got all the paint off, and got all the rust off. i never done it before, but I, I could not stand to see the house of God in disrepair or in lack. And then somebody needed to take responsibility for it. And I took that, got all the paint off, got all the paint, spent a whole day out in the heat, which I don't like anyway, and, and then painted it down, came back, did another coat, painted it white, looked beautiful. It still looks good to this day. I saw it not too long ago. I did a good job. Holy Spirit, help me. Amen. But here's the thing. Why was it left that way? Because the people had decided that it was okay to be left at that level. There was no faith applied. And there was no faith. There was no overcoming. Right? There was no overcoming of that. Now, look at this. He says, we've been arrogant against me. You say, what have we spoken against you? In other words, we can get to a place where we're offending God and we don't even know anything about it. 
So then what needs to happen? We have to be honest to take a look at ourselves and judge ourselves, right? And then uh, he says this. He says, you have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is that? Is it that we have kept this charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. Let's go to the new living and read it in there. And some people are saying, Amen. All right. Verse 13 in the new living. 3.13. You said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? You have said, what's the use of serving God? We've gained, what have we gained? Listen, this is just a question. What have we gained by obeying His commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, we'll call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil, get rich. And those who dare, uh, who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. This is a heart that's gotten weary in well-doing and says, Look, what do, good does it to serve God? I see people, they're not serving God, and you bless them. God says, You have offended me when you think like that. In other words, what he's saying is, now listen, we might not have said that with our mouth, but have we said it with our actions? Actions, God, you're not good enough for me to make something happen in your house. I'm going to go give my ways to the world, and all it will get me instead of giving my ways to you. I'm going to choose to take my time, my effort, my money, my whatever, and I'm going to give it to the world because at least I'll have something to show for it because I don't feel like I'll have anything if I give it to you. And you can say, well, I don't think that way, but let's look at your calendar and let's look at your checkbook. Yep. That's good. Because the truth is our actions will prove out what our heart thinks. Now, I understand that this is a bit of a correction uh, night, and it, it's interesting um, I understand that. And so all you got to do is just say, all right, Holy Spirit, teach my heart what I need to hear about this. Teach me what I need to know. And the, the beautiful thing is you guys are here, yeah. right? You guys are here. You're honoring. You're esteeming. You're here. You're, you're doing the right things. But all of us probably, all, well, without question, can take it up a notch. Yeah. Right? We all can take it. We, this is a heart adjustment where what happens if we get our heart adjusted? We get our heart adjusted. All of a sudden, we move to the place uh, where then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other and the Lord listened to what they said. The Lord listened to what they said. The Lord listened to what they said. Then verse 17, they will be my people. They will be, and on the day I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. You will see the difference. Yeah. Now see, we can say that we believe that, but are our actions 
representative of what we say that we believe. Remember, the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but they don't believe that He's Lord. In other words, they had a mental, what's called mental assent. They had a mental knowledge that He was that, but they didn't believe in Him enough to not rebel against Him, right? We can say that we honor the house of God and that we do, but do our actions actually back up what we do? And, and do, or do we say, well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm there, I check the box, and I'm going to honor God, but then we don't actually have actions that back it up, right? Yeah. I, know, I know for some of you tonight, I know that it was a challenge to be here. Your flesh was wanting to do other things. Let me just tell you this. You know, I had tickets to go to the football game tonight. I turned them down to be with y'all. They were probably really good ones too. I turned them down to be with y'all. So so y'all make it worth it, okay? (laughs) Listen, what I'm saying is you're not the only one who has stuff in the flesh. Opening season against the Cowboys, right? I'm not going to ask Paul who he thinks is going to win. <laughs> anyway, my point is, there's times where you got to decide, am I going to serve the world and its pleasures, or am I going to serve God? That's it. And I know that some of you, I want, I want you to get your expectation up. I know, let, let, me, let me just do this, because I think it's more than I even realize. If it was a challenge on your flesh to be here today, would you raise your hand? If any way there was a challenge, raise it up high. I know it was for me. Look at that. Almost everybody. Let me tell you what that means. That means that you chose to honor God and His ways and His things. And God said, those who honor me, I will honor. honor. I will honor. Come on. I will honor. And I'll tell you a little bit later about what He said about that specifically for tonight. Now, let's go to chapter 1 and look at this. This is in verse, chapter 1, verse 6, and we'll keep reading in the New Living because Malachi, he, he talks funny. Um, the Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest... A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. Let me go back. Uh, if you're here tonight, I want you to get in an expectation because God's going to honor you. Amen. God's going to honor you for your choice. Amen. God's going to honor you for your choice. And if anybody decided to come on in, you know, they're watching, they decided to come on and be here in person, God's going to honor them for their choice. I'm telling you, God's going to honor you for Amen. your choice. All right, so now... He says, the Lord of heaven's army says to the priest, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. So I'm going to go back again. Get your expectation up. Get your expectation up. He's about to pour out some honor on you. Amen. Why? Because you chose to honor him. Chose to honor him. All right. Son says his father and servant respects his master. Now, no, I'm sorry. If I, I interrupted myself twice, I'm not going to do it a third time. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? This is the same book. This is twice. They're going, how did we do this, right? Twice. 
So can you see that it's possible for us to be in the position where we're completely dishonoring God and we don't even know about it? And just honestly, honestly, do you think that we fall in that position a lot more than we want to admit? I can assure you we do. I can assure you we do. All right, so now, verse 7, he says, You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defiled them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. The altar of the Lord deserves no respect. All right, so let's look at, he defines it a little bit more in verse 8. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord. Of heaven's army. In other words, what they were doing, it's not that they weren't active. It's that their heart in the action was not pure. Their heart in the action was, let me do just enough to get by. And he's literally talking about offerings. In other words, their, their actions were, how little can I give today? Or, what can I do just to say that I gave an offering? Well, move that beyond money. Move it beyond money. What can I do just to say that I'm a part of the house? Oh, that's my place. That's my house. But yet I won't pray for it and carry a burden for it to be filled. I'm not moved enough to actually go beyond that or to have a passion for the house of God. I'm not moved to have a passion for it. And my point is this. I should have to stop people from praying so much over things. I should have to say, it's okay, it's been covered this week, you know, because there's so much passion for the house of God and where people are planted, I can't keep them away. I can't keep them away. Now, as it stands, let's just be honest, what we have here tonight is not a good representation of everybody who's called to the house of boomerang. So here's the thing. The question is, it, and, and I get it. There's times, you know, people are on vacation. They deserve to have their vacation. You know, that, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a heart that's not where it needs to be. And that's up for each person to decide where that is. But let's be honest, not everybody that's not here is on vacation, right? You're here, which is awesome. And and many of you had other things that you could have been doing that your flesh wanted to do. But the question is, have we just said I'm a part of that house, but I'm not going to go when they say that God told them to have a service? Right? Right? Man, is it raining? <laughs> Send the rain, Lord. Send the rain in this house. <laughs> windows is pouring. Amen. Is your windows down? Oh. <laughs> Have you, do you see what I'm saying? In other words, they were in action, but they were just checking the box. Their heart wasn't there. You see, how many times is that happening in our lives and we're not even aware of it? Well, if we don't have a passion for the house of God, that's absolutely the way that it can be. 
It's absolutely. In other words, let me, let me just ask it like this. Don't you think that it would look different if every single one of us had a godly, heavenly passion for the house of God? Don't you think it'd look different? I know it would, without question. It'd be hard to keep people away, and they would stop looking to the world's things to supply them instead of God's. In other words, you know, when, when I did, and, and many of you know this, but when we started the church, we went four years, and I didn't get paid a salary at all for four years, right? And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to prove a point. I wasn't doing it because I wanted money. I was doing it because I was being obedient to God and I was willing to put our lives where our mouth was, right? Because we believe that, hey, God is worth more than what a job could give me. The kingdom was worth more than what another job could give me. I believed that God would supply. What I need, Lord, we're trusting you to give it. And so, Lord, I, you are my number one. And I might, and I literally, I got offered a job that would have probably made good money right when Boomerang was really struggling, right? And I was like, oh man, <laughs> I would, that would be so nice to have that right now. It was good money. I got offered for some of the skill set that I have in technology. I got offered a job. They're like, hey, we'd love for you to come on. And uh, it was going to turn into probably a full-time job. And it would be nice. And the, but the Lord had told me something. He said, boomerang's your business. Boomerang's your business. So I had to make the decision again. Do I esteem the things of God... Or do I go after the ways of the wicked and do it their way? Right. Which way do I trust? Well, there's only one answer for a believer if they're actually flowing in Holy Spirit things. is It's God. Now, what was the end result of that? The end result of that is God takes care of you and he overflows. He, he brings an abundance of that. We, we have never been in lack. We've never been in need. It's, our abundance has only grown, right? Why? Because we went after God first and we believed on him. We didn't go after the worldly stuff, right? So he says here, he says, look. He says, the things that you've done... He says, you're bringing sacrifices, you're having action, you're taking action, but the actions are, you're bringing me half sacrifices. You know, a lot of times, when we give offerings, we ought to be giving, it's, it's not, you don't have to empty your bank account every time that you give an offering. That, God wants you to have a storehouse too, he believes in the storehouse, but there's a time when he says for you to empty it. There's a time when he says, do it. Yep. He's done it to Nicole and I many times. But so many times, we're just seeing what we can get away with instead of saying, Lord, what honors you tonight? Right. What honors you? What is it that honors you? And that's the, all, that's the question that we need to ask when we do that. Now, I'm not just talking about offerings. I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Lord, what honors you today? What would you have me to do? What do you want me to do? 
For some of you, you answered that question tonight by being here. And those who honor me, God's going to honor. God's going to honor. Amen? Amen. He's going to honor. But see, a lot of times what we're doing is we're not taking that into consideration because we truly don't believe that God's our source. We believe that the world is our source. The world is not your source. That job, it's not your source. God may use the job, but the job can come or go. If your source is God, your foundation will be stable. And then it doesn't matter which one God uses. He can pull from a ton of them just like that. If God's our source. Who is the real source? That's the question. Who is the real source? Let's go now to Haggai, or Haggai, or however they say it. Chapter 1. And we're going to read this in the New Living 2, just because it's easier to... Read and understand. Haggai chapter 1 verse 1. On, wow, this is pretty definitive. On August 29th of the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and governor of Judah, and to Je- Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. I'm impressed that I got through that verse. Glory to God. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. So what are they saying? What were the people saying? The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. That's what the people were saying. It's not yet come. Then... Verse 3, the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? In other words, what had they put first? Their house. They had put their life in front of his life. Who's supposed to, remember Matthew 6.33, who's supposed to, are we supposed to seek first? Seek first our life, our retirement, our well-doing, our comfort, and then all these things will be added to you. That's not what it says. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, right? Seek first the kingdom. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord, the Lord of the heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now look at this. Watch. Look at what's happened to you. You planted much, but harvest little. How many people, you know, I'm not just talking about you go home and plant a garden or you work hard at your work. How many people have planted much, but you don't really have a harvest on it? You've planted a lot in an offering, but the harvest is not what you would expect, right? Now, many of you have great testimonies here, but then I know that sometimes people plant and they don't have... Is, is it possible that it's the condition of our heart and as a giver that we're not esteeming the giving? We're giving something, we're in action, but it's half sacrifices, half offerings, 
right? Because we're given the finances, but we haven't given our heart. He says, look at, what, look at what's happening to you. In other words, look at the fruit. You planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Anybody ever felt like that? Yeah. I don't know where my money's going. You had a great testimony of this where you had a heart change and it went from a pocket filled with holes to all of a sudden things completely turned around. Is that right? Because when you changed your heart, man, God came through, right? And this is a testimony for anybody who will grab a hold of the promises of God. But that was such a tremendous testimony. And, but what he's saying is... You, you're desiring these things, but your life is not fulfilled because you're putting the wrong thing first. You're putting you and your life above me and my life, God says. You're choosing your house before my house. And that's the problem. And you may have some stuff, and you may have some action, but they're half sacrifices, and you're never fully satisfied. The issue, the issue... It's not that you're active. It's not that you say that you're going to church. It's not that you're going to church. It's that you're, you're putting, you got the wrong priorities and you're not giving all of your heart. Right. So I know it's a corrective message, but here's what we want to do. The heart of humility says, Lord, any part of this, any part of this that I'm missing, let me see it. And give me the strength to change it because I'm going to be the person who doesn't get halfway satisfied. I'm going to be the person who fills up the house of God, who puts your kingdom first. I'm going to be the person that honors God if nobody else does. And those who honor you, you will honor. I will be a receiver of your honor, Lord. And when we come humbly like that, Lord, show me any place where I'm doing any of this where I'm giving you half of my heart, or I'm not putting you in the right priority. Show me, Lord, and give me the strength to change it. Help me see it. Because you notice a lot of times they didn't see it. They couldn't see it. Why couldn't they see it? Their heart was hardened towards it. Ah, he's just doing another offering, or hey, he's just asking for somebody to go flowering again. Yeah, he's just asking you to go and win souls eternally for the kingdom. He's just asking you to give out a bottle of water so that people will actually feel the love of God. Do you know how many people are are about ready to commit suicide in today's day and age? And what they really need is the love of God and a smile and somebody to give them something when they're hot and thirsty. That may be all they need. And all of a sudden, in your eyes, in your smile, in the love that transfers from you to them, they see there's hope. I'm not going to do it. So I'm not just asking you to fill a time slot at the fair to hand out water. I'm asking you to spread the kingdom of God, to give the life of God. I'm I'm asking you to fill up the finances so we can do everything that God's told us to do. I'm asking you to be a part of winning souls more and bigger than what you think is important or I think is important. Let's go after what he thinks is important because what he thinks is important is the best. And without going after him, we're never going to have a full life because that's the only way that fullness comes is by putting him first. 
But what does our flesh say? What, is, what does our flesh say? I don't want to do that. It's too much. It's this. I'd, I'd rather be at home. I'd rather do this or that or whatever. Our flesh gives us any excuse to not do what God wants to do. Because the flesh is always at war with the spirit. Look what's happening to you. You planted much, you harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Now, before I, I'm going to go back to that verse, but I want to tell you a story. I, it wasn't, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, I heard somebody talking about these scriptures. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, this particular time is one of the times where Nicole and I have given as much as we've ever given before in our lives. In other words, this was right in the middle of all the, the extended fasting that I was doing. It was that particular time, and, and, and okay, that particular time, we had emptied the bank account multiple times, right? Multiple times. So we're not talking about that we had light action or light honor on the things of God. But I remember the minister preaching this message and talking about that and falling under such conviction that I was not doing enough. Now you would ask, how can that be? Because it's just it. Every time we think we arrive at a certain level, we find out that God is even bigger than what we thought He is. And Lord, I need to be doing more. And so if I ever come across somebody and find somebody that says, yeah, I'm doing it right, I'm doing it good, it's pride. And you've got to come to the place of a humble heart, a broken, contrite heart that says, Lord, I'm talking about a time when we've given more than we'd ever done in our life. Not just our finances, but our life. We had given more than we ever had. We're right in the middle of the season of it. And I'm sitting there going, God, I've got to do more. You've got to let that become you. And when that becomes you, there's something that will get on you. And the people will not be able to deny it. And you'll speak to them and you'll carry the power of God. And you'll carry the glory of God. You'll carry the conviction of God. And they'll say, I need what you have. But it comes from you letting yourself get broken to the place where you understand that there's nothing that I won't give God. I need to be doing more for you. Why? Because he's worth it. He's worth it. You realize if you never received anything else in your life ever, ever again, the fact that you will escape hell makes it worth it if you gave everything. If you gave everything, it would be worth it. And if you don't believe me, wait till we get to heaven and find out and find out and see it and feel what you miss in hell. And you'll be like, oh, God, I wish I would have given you more. Don't let that revelation happen in heaven. Get the kind of heart that will let that revelation happen here. 
And then all of a sudden, you will find that you will not only step into the place where God honors you, but you'll also be storing up treasure in heaven and his kingdom will be advanced through you, which is the cry of your heart, whether you know it or not. That's the cry of your heart. Lord, let your kingdom be advanced through me. Don't let that revelation happen in heaven. Let it happen here. Let it happen tonight inside of you. Verse 8, now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruin, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. It's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. It's because of you, it says. Oh my goodness. It's because of us and our heart. Our heart. If our heart's not right, heaven withholds its due. In other words, the the physical system of heaven releasing its due. The blessing of God is held back based off of our hearts. Can you see that? Notice what it says though. Look at this. Look at this. Verse 8. Now go up into the hills and bring down timber and rebuild my house. What's he talking about? He's talking about Working. He says, look, my house needs to be rebuilt. Get to work and make it happen. So this is, this is my question. Literally what he's saying is, hey, is there a house that needs to be built? Or in today's language, is there a house that needs to be paid for? Are there things to do? Who of you would say, Lord, give me the business. I want to pay it off. I want to pay it off. What he's saying is, go do the work to build the house. Go do the work to build the house. I've heard of stories of people taking second jobs just so that they could give all of their extra income simply to pay off a church. You know how beautiful that is in the eyes of God? Oh my goodness. Lord, I won't have your house in lack. I'll do what it takes. Now, I'm not telling you to go take a second job. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying get the heart of that. You remember when we preached the message on uh, dig the wells or dig the ditch, dig a ditch? And, And what we were saying was this, and we're believing to pay off this building. All I was asking, asking people for was to ask the Lord, how much do you want me to give? How much do you want me to give towards that? And Lord, whatever figure you tell me, I'll believe God for it. Now, I want to tell you something that to me is shameful. Shameful. The pledges that came in on that, guess how much we're going to pay off the debt in the pledges that came in on that? What's the number on there? $1,600. That ain't going to pay off a half a million dollar building. And we don't owe anything on it. We're leasing it now, but we're going to buy it and we're going to pay cash for it, right? But here's my point. 
My point is, nobody even had the vision for the Lord's house to see past $1,600. There ought to have been at least 10 or 12 people who said, I'll pay off $10,000, i will pay off $50,000 of it. All the people didn't even have big enough vision to see past $1,600. That's the, num- that's the pledges that came in. What does that tell us about our vision? What does that tell us about our faith? What does that tell us about our heart? All of us are living in houses. But God's house, where did it come and fall in our lives? I wasn't even asking people to go out and get another job. I was asking them to believe. I'm asking them to say, Lord, how much do you want me to believe for you? you even if we divided, let's say we had 100 people, that would at least be $500 a person. Well, three people would have made up the $1,600. But we got more than that, right? Oh, not that 500 No, that would have been 5000 One person should have made up more than that. Lord, how much do you want me to believe? Why? Because he gives seed to the sower. If you can just get your heart big enough to believe, he'll give you the seed to give. It's not even costing you anything. You wouldn't have the seed if you didn't believe for it because he gives seed to the sowing heart, the heart whose heart is to be a sower, an abundant giving sower, cheerful giver. He gives seed to that person. But see, even if people had in their heart, I'm going to pay off, you know, 10, 50, you know, $100,000 of it, they didn't have enough wherewithal or strength to write it down and pledge it when I asked them to. So here's my question. Not... Not condemning, let the conviction hit us. Are we really about the house and the church and God's house like we want to say that we are? Oh, I can tell you the answer is no. Okay, let that convict us. See, we ought to have people that say, Lord, give me, give me, I mean, we got. I, I had some people that would say, look, I'll pay it all off. But I'm talking about a number that you and God have discussed and you have come up with it. And it's, it's significant. It stretches you because God doesn't do something you can do now. He's not, we're not talking about something you can write right now. We're talking about something God wants to do. And he always does it bigger than you. If you can imagine it then it's bigger than that because he wants to give exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. How much does he want to do through you? And he can give you the seed according to whatever you can believe. Now, my point is not to bring condemnation, but to point out the fact of, are we really believing and are we really putting God's house first? And... When we answer that question with a no, we start to understand why we haven't seen the overflow that we feel like we should be seeing. But we're not going to be that people. We're going to be the people that says, Lord, convict me. Lord, glory to God. Show me where I've been missing it. I will humble myself because I'm not going to be in lack. I won't have your house in lack. I'm going to do everything I can to expand your kingdom. I'm going to do everything I can. This is, you have to understand, this is not, a, not really an offering message. Like, I'm really tempted, I, you know, I, what we'll do, i tell you what, at the end of this service, we're not even going to have an offering where we take it up. You're welcome to give if you want to, but it's not to get an offering. The point is to get our hearts right. 
To get our hearts at the place. My point in this is to get your hearts in the place where you can be blessed. And not have holes in your pocket and money seeping out. And not, not have it where your house is in disrepair because your heart has not been towards the house of the Lord. This is, this is the whole point. Is not the offering. It's where's our heart, which is what the offering's about anyway. It's where's our heart. That's what it's always been about. God can supply everything he needs miraculously. It's not the way he chooses to do it. He chooses to do it by a seed time and harvest. What we sow, we will harvest, and it's all based on our heart. So the whole issue is about that. But I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about every area of our life. Every area of our life. I'm talking about, are we willing to go out and flyer? What if God asked us to go flyer every night for a month? Every night? Would you cringe at it? I'll be honest, just when I said it, I cringed on the inside a little bit. But if he told us to do it, would it be worth it? Yes, yes. You know, let me tell you this. One, one time, Nicole and I, we go into this, into this church, we decided... We're not going to do much. We're going to sit back and just be fed. The very first day we're at that church, right? We're joining that day. They get up and they say, hey, we're announcing we're going to have prayer every night for the next 25 nights in a row. Well, I'm not big on that unless the Lord actually said a lot of times people will try to be holy instead of actually hearing from the Lord. But as soon as they said that, the Holy Ghost says, you need to go to that prayer. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to go. I don't want to do that. And I told her, I said, we're supposed to go to that. She was like, I know. And uh, so we, both, we went to the prayer. We went to the prayer. Guess what? That prayer, we got done with the 25 nights. Guess what they said after that? We're having it for the next 40 nights. Holy Ghost. That's what I figured. <laughs> Guess what? During that period of time, that's when he anointed me to pastor. Yep. Amen. During one of those nights. I was walking around praying. Other people were praying somewhere else. That one night I was there. That's when all of a sudden I'm sitting there. It's like a download from heaven. <laughs> Just the power of God shooting all in me. Because I was at prayer. What if I wouldn't have been there? You think it would have happened? Probably would have been some years later. I believe he would have restored me, but I would have probably missed the moment. Yeah. But what I did was we put the house of God and his kingdom first. And in that was where the anointing was. See, when we put him first, how many people would like to pay off your house? Anybody like to be completely debt free on your house? Well, how do you do that? I mean, you got any plan besides the 20 or 30 year plan, which doesn't work too well. I mean, they steal two thirds of your money in it through interest. All right. So how many that that's not the best way to do it. The best way to do it is for God to miraculously, supernaturally supply for your house. How do you think he does that? Well, he does that. The same rules that are set up in the kingdom apply there too. seed, time and harvest. You start putting his house first. God will put your house first. Yes. Right. There was a guy uh, you start learning the principles. There was a guy I know out at Pastor Tracy's. 
And uh, last year he got up and he started, he started talking and telling the story. He said, the Lord, we started believing for our house to be uh, paid off. And I'm going to tell you, um, hmm, how do I say this? I'm going to say it off air is what I'm going to say. So then he gets up there and tells the story and uh, they're talking about confession. He says, this guy just came up to me out of the blue and said, hey, I've got a, I've got a check for you. He, he says, I didn't know how much it was. I get in there and open it up. It's within $2,500 of paying off the whole house, like $80,000 or something like that. What? <laughs> just like that. Just like that. That's a better way. <laughs> That's a better way. That's a better way. God has a better way for you. And I'm not just talking about finance. Finances is a great way to teach and learn the principles of God. But I'm not just talking about finances. How about peace and joy? How about the fullness in every area of your life? And it comes from esteeming God. How about that? Now look, here's this. Look at this. He's saying, go do the work. Go do the work that it takes to put God's house first. Go do the work. We have a great opportunity coming up in October with Boomerang Blue Weekend, right? It's going to take work to put that on. It's going to be awesome, though. We're going to have the Boom Fest. I think Boom Fest. We'll see. We might change it, but I like that. It sounds funny. <laughs> boom Fest, right? Boom fest out here, and we're going to have rides. We're going to have the amazing blazing fire truck, all this. We're going to invite all kinds of people, give to them, love on them, feed them, uh, play music for them, right? Give them the word. And what are we doing? We're advancing the kingdom. We're showing them the love of God, right? We're going to pay off some of their bills. What we're doing at Victory Nights, we're going to do it in a big way right here in the parking lot. All the cars will park in the field. Everybody will, they'll have all the jumpies and all the, and we're looking at getting a hot air balloon for them to go up and down in, right? We're going to give, give, give and serve, but it's going to take some work. That's putting God's house first. He says, do the work. Believe God. See, I'm here. Let me just talk about like if we want to pay off this building, right? If we want to pay it off, it's not, it's not going to be just Nicole and I. This is going to be us saying, Lord, I want to play as big a part in that as I personally can. So, Lord, I'm asking you to give me the seed to sow towards that. And I want it to be big and I'm extending my faith. And I might not have a dime in the bank right now, but I'm asking you for big money, big money. I'll be one. If nobody else does, I'll be one that extends my faith. Well, that's somebody that God can give to. That's someone that God can give to. But if we just sit back and say, well, if it gets paid off, it gets paid off. No, that's not faith. Right. There's no responsibility there. Right. Well, it's the same way with anything that we do in the house of the Lord. We've got to put Him first. Otherwise, we are constantly going to be the people who has holes in their pockets and everything will just slip right through. We're supposed to be a storehouse. <laughs> 
Go up into the hills. Do the work. Put some faith out there. If nobody else does, you put some faith out there. Believe God for another $100,000 a year to be in abundance. That's a word for you. Believe God for that to be extra $100,000 income just to advance the kingdom. Just to advance it. Just to advance it. Lord, we got our needs met. Just, Lord, I'm believing you for something big. God's big enough to believe like that. That's actually low. on That blows most people's minds out just to say $100,000 extra. God's so much bigger than that. He's so much bigger than that. Either you believe that or you have a very small idea of who God is. That is nothing for the Lord. All he's doing is looking for someone whose heart is pure towards him so that he might show himself strong on their behalf. Those that know their God will do exploits. Those that know their God. Verse 9. You hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because your house lies in ruins. My house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's army. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses. Let me replace houses with life. My house lies in ruins while you are busy building your own fine lives. This is not the place where we want to be found. This is the wrong place to be. And we're not going to be found there. Amen. Amen. That's not the kind of people that we are. We're not going to be found there. It's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. That's strong words. Strong words. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people struggle, struggle, struggle to get something done and then it gets wiped out in an instant. Yep. Wiped out in an instant. That's good. Who was I with uh, that we went by that place the other day? Was it you, you and Barrett? Yeah. And I showed you that place. They spent thousands upon tens of thousands to do it and it's not even standing today. Just a few years later. They, they put all this money to make something big to go after a dream. I, you know, did God tell them to do it? It doesn't appear so because it's, still, it's not standing t- today. Wasted all of that. This goes along with this. It says in the next verse, they begin to obey the message from the Lord their God. Watch this. All of a sudden, they said, Lord, change our hearts. Change who we are. We're going to put you first. We're going to obey. And watch what happens. He says, Then they began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. That means they reverenced God. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. When their heart, when they gave their heart to change, when they humbled themselves and they got their heart right, God said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Oh, we know that means something. I'm with you. What can happen in the Lord's presence? 
Nothing bad, everything good. <laughs> Nothing bad, everything good. I'm with you. I'm with you. Because they changed their hearts. I'm with you. I'm with you, he says. Because you're giving yourself to a heart change right now. I'm with you. I'm with you, God says. I'm with you. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and then the enthusiasm. He sparked the enthusiasm of all of these people, and then the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, and on September 21st, uh, the second year of King Darius' reign, and then on October 17th, the same year, the Lord sent another message through the prophet. Say this. Say this to the leaders and say it to the remnant of God's people. Verse 3, does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, be strong, be strong, leaders, be strong, high priest, be strong. All you people still left in the land and now get to work for I am with you. In other words, this thing may look like it is uh, not able to be conquered. It may look too big, but God says, you stand up. I'm with you and I'm going to be with you to strengthen you to do what looks impossible. I'm going to be with you to do what looks impossible. Stand up. Change your heart. I'm with you and I'll be able to be with you in every area of your life. Yeah. And what looks impossible will not be impossible to you. Yeah. It won't be. He says, my spirit remains on you just as I promised, when you, I promised you when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. Whew, this is the Lord rebuking fear in their lives. Oh, fear is not going to have a place in you. Don't be afraid. Be strong. I'm going to cause you to be strengthened to do the impossible. Yes. For this is what the Lord of the heavens army says in just a little while. I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. And in this place I will bring peace. I, the Lord of the heaven's armies, have spoken. Spoken. Yield to the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Yield your hearts right now. For the Lord to say to you what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to act. Yield your heart. Don't let your flesh stand in the way of the impossible being possible through God. Don't let your flesh and your logic stand in the way, but let God speak to you the impossible. Let Him show you the amazing. Let Him show you what He's capable of. 
Just like when he told me a year or so ago, he said in 20 years, I want 20 million souls won through Boomerang Church. When I first heard that number, I went, my Lord, that sounds impossible. And the Lord's answer to me basically was, that's right. Without me, it is. But with me, you can do it. And I gave myself to what he said, not the logic that said it couldn't be done. And all of a sudden, he started opening up and showing me the plan of how. That's the thing. The impossible is possible through you and Jesus when you give yourself to a big God. And a big God starts to come into you. And all of a sudden, that big God can be big in you. But many times we've held back because of the cares of this world, because of our small thinking, and God can't be what He's called to be. He can't be what He's meant to be because we've not honored Him in our heart. But He's got big plans for you. And oh, they are so good. They're so right. Bring her up here. Lord, seal it. Seal it today. Seal it. Everything you're calling her in Jesus' name. Everything you're calling her to be. In the name of Jesus, seal it now. God's calling you to big things. Stop giving yourself to worldly thinking. Stop giving half sacrifices. Stop letting your priorities be led around by people who's taught under the curse. Led around by people who's taught under the cares of the world. Stop being led around by TV and advertisements that tell you it should be like this. And start going to the one that's the advertisement for all truth. That will set you free. And let the truth of God show you who you're called to be. Everything you're called to be. Everything. He's got bigger plans than what you've even given yourself to at this point. It's bigger than you can even imagine. It's been waiting on you for all eternity. Waiting for you until a night like tonight where you say, I will give myself, Lord. I won't give you half sacrifices anymore. I won't give you a crippled sacrifice. I won't hold back my faith. I'll give all of myself to you, Lord. Show who you can be. Show who you can be through me. Show yourself who you are. If nobody else does around me, show who you can be through me. Lightly. Lightly. You need to get sick and tired of the status quo. You need to be sick and tired of the average Christian. You need to be sick and tired of an average life. 
When you are called to greatness, you are royalty. You are His high priesthood here on the earth. You need to be sick and tired of anything less than what God's called you to be. His identity that He's given you calls you to more. It calls you now to more. To believe more. To be more. Fire of God. Fire of God. Pick her up. Fire of God. Fire! 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 Rise up inside of her. Kindle and burn hot. Hot, 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 Lord. Fire of God. Fire of God. Be like it never has been before. Stop limiting that thought. Stop limiting anything. But let the fire of God do what the fire of God does. Right, you called the more. You called the more. Fire, kindle, and burn hot. Kindle, kindle, burn hot. This is what it's all been about. It's all been trying to keep you out of what you know you're supposed to be. It's what it's all been about. But it's over in Jesus' name. Just tell them now. Say, Lord, it's over. I give you everything. Fire of God be now. No, stay in the most. Lord, burn, kindle that fire and burn hot. Lord, bind her to that fire. Never to return. Never to return to anything less. Be who you called to be. It's great. It's mighty woman of God. Honored. Honored in the community by the greatness of the Lord through you. Glory to God. It's all been trying to keep you away from that moment there. That moment. You've been feeling the winds, the winds of change and the winds, the winds of God's breath kindling the fire, kindling the fire. 
There's more than you can even dream of. There's more. And he's starting to kindle it. And you'll start to see more and more of his plan. More of the fire of God. More of his plan. And he will finance it. He will show you what to do. He'll show you how to do it. He'll give you his wisdom. And you will be so fulfilled. You will be so fulfilled. You will be so not only joyful, but happy. Because the things of God that's burnt in your heart will start to come to pass. And not only that, but He'll pay for it. And it'll be awesome. It'll be overflow. Fire of God. Burn more in Jesus' name. You understand that in making God's things a priority, your whole life becomes a priority in the plans of God. When you make God's plans a priority, your life becomes a, pl- a priority. Your plans becomes a priority in His. Seek first His kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So in one moment where you decide, listen, 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 listen. One moment where you decide for good that everything the world has is not enough for me, but everything God has is where I will be, one moment where that becomes a reality in your heart, everything in your life goes up from there. If you want more of this tonight, it's your night. You can have it, everything. You can have every bit of fire that you desire. Glory to God. You can have it all. I invite you now. You're welcome to come up and receive whatever it is that the Lord has put on your heart. The empowerment to be who you've called to be. Who you're called to be in Him. Thank you.